I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. So a big welcome to everyone here in the audience of this special live episode. We're at Redemption, which is a gorgeous alcohol-free bar and vegan restaurant in London's Covent Garden. If you're in central London, then this is a great place to come for brunch or to meet friends for a meal. And you've got the added bonus of no hangover the next day. My guests on this episode are Rosamond Dean, who, as well as being the deputy editor of Grazia magazine as her day job, she managed to write the book Mindful Drinking as well. And she's the mum of two. So welcome, Rosamond. Thank you for having me. Um, we've also got Clemmie Telford, uh, who wears a lot of hats too, don't you, Clemmie? Um, she's a creative director who's worked at Facebook. She's a mum of three. She's a hashtag Insta mum. Does that make you cringe? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it would. Um, and earlier this year, she stopped drinking alcohol. Um, and I feel like the topic of alcohol and parenthood is vast, and there's so much to say. Uh, but I want to kick off by saying this isn't going to be a judgmental chat. This isn't about you feeling awkward or difficult about what you drink. I enjoy drink, and it's not about shaming anybody or saying that you should give up alcohol. But I think it's probably something that we should all think about from time to time. So, Rosamond, welcome. Yes, um, kick off by explaining to us what mindful drinking is. Well, mindful drinking is really what it sounds like. It's the opposite of mindless drinking. So it's the opposite of drinking without thinking about it when you kind of automatically, out of habit, crack open a bottle of wine after the kids are in bed or go to a work event and just, like, throw back some wine because it's there. It's free. Yeah, because it's free. Um, So it's it's not enjoying drinking properly. So mindful drinking is about... It's not... It's not not drinking. It's about enjoying what you drink and therefore drinking less of it. And how in in practice, what does that look like? Um, it looks like not getting shit faced all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like several alcohol free days a week. Right. So I, you you, sh- you structure it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I do. I f- I do actually find it easier to have alcohol free days because once you have one or two drinks, then I don't know if you've noticed this. You're kind of. Uh, self-control and awareness. I was going to say that too. We've all been there where you're like, I'm just going to go for uh, a couple of drinks. And then before you know it, you are downing shots of Sambuca and twerking. (laughs) And you're like, hang on a minute. What happened? On the table. Yeah. Or under it. (laughs) (laughs) Or both. Yeah. We've all been there. So, Um, so, yeah, there's definitely that thing, isn't there, where if you just have one or two, sometimes your self-control can go out the window. Yes. Yeah. And for that reason, that's why moderate drinking is in many ways harder than total sobriety because you have to make these decisions all the time and you have to have constant awareness of what you're drinking and how much. Whereas if you decide to not drink at all, then you just make one decision and that's that. So what's your relationship with alcohol been kind of over the years? Have you, did, were you at a point where you felt, actually, I'm drinking too much and it's having an effect on my life, whether that's your work life or being a mum? Yeah, I mean, I, didn't, I definitely drank too much in my 20s and early 30s, but I didn't think I did. I think because everyone around me was just drinking so much as well. So I, I never thought of it as being a problem. When I look back, I'm like, wow, <laughs> drank a lot. <laughs> what, what was like an average night out or a night in for you? Uh, well, my friends and I would definitely have, you know, like a bottle of wine each. We would buy bottles of wine as around, like cheap white wine, you know, like yeah. proper vinegary. Ah. Yeah. It's all right, because after the first bottle, it tastes great. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, after the first sip. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and then when I was pregnant, then I found it easy to not drink because you don't have that pressure. People, like, nobody expects you to drink. Yeah. So it's kind of easy to not drink. And I thought, this is great. I'm going to, when I have this baby, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to be so healthy. I'm not going to drink. I'm going to carry on drinking like this. I had the odd glass of wine when I was pregnant. So yeah. I was like, I'll carry on doing that. It will be amazing. I'll be, I'll be so healthy. I'll save loads of money. And um, then had the baby. And obviously, we all know what it's like having small children. <laughs> it's, you do crack open that wine quite often mm -hmm. and also you know with my husband it was like oh I can drink again so we were sort of celebrating and then I'd go out to my NCT bunch and we'd all drink wine in the afternoon and then when I would catch up with friends I hadn't seen in a while we'd all basically I was drinking probably more than ever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and Clemmy you yes. you've gone one step further and uh -huh. earlier this year you decided to stop drinking altogether didn't I did you? Da, da, da. yeah I did five and a half months ago in fact and Fridays is always good for me because Fridays is it, uh, I stopped on a Friday, so... Ah, okay. So talk, talk, talk to me about... Uh, after a night out, on the, I decided on the train home from a night out that I was... Okay, I oh, was, really? Yeah. And had you, had you been drinking that night? Yep. So the... the what's the long... The, what's the, how do we cut this up? So exactly the same, 20s and 30s, boozing hard, and I'm just chuckling to myself. Like I've got a mem that memory that just came to me. One night with my girlfriends, we, were, we used to always drink vodka, lime and soda, we ran out of soda, so we just were using tap water. And we're going, this is great. Why do people not do vodka water and lime? That's quite grim. It's tragic, because <laughs> we couldn't be asked to go to the shop. But yeah, I mean, I look back on that, and I do shudder. It was like literally blacking out every time I went out, because I thought that's what everyone did. Yeah, probably, almost definitely the drunkest person there the whole time. But I just thought that I was really, really fun. And I probably was really, really fun. But you like fun Bobby and friends. Yeah, maybe. I also <laughs> had a party trick of getting my tits out, oh. which was fine until I, I worked. My career has been in advertising where there was free bars available. And when you start doing that on a work event, it's not so lols, is it? It's tragic. And then I met my husband as well, and he, he didn't love that that was my party trick. Um, <laughs> but I always thought that was all good fun. Um, but as my kind of responsibility grew, particularly when I had children, my anxiety or self-loathing after a night out just grew and grew and grew to the point that it was beginning to ruin my fun before I'd even gone out. I was, you know, had scream grabs of the train home. I would be on the water. And on the night in question, I went out with a a lot of very well-known Insta mums, actually. And a lot of them went out, out, big, 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 all-nighters. And I went home at nine that night. And in the morning, I had this crippling self-loathing. And I just knew that there must have been something wrong because they could go out on these massive nights and still see it as fun and feel, you know, felt rough, but they didn't hate themselves. And I was very sensible and was still in self-loathing. I was like, this, this is actually curtailing any there's no point anymore and I wasn't drinking very much and then on reflection I realized that my most stable times for me mental health was actually when I was pregnant which is when I was sober and I began to look back and my peak partying times were also my peak anxiety times I was like oh wow these two are linked and I do increasingly see and I really don't want to come across as preachy but I see mums you know talking about their anxiety issues often with a, with a photo of a glass of wine. I'm like, you just need to ask yourself if those two are, inter are tied up. I think it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because we all know that having a glass of wine or a gin and tonic does relax us. Yeah. And if you are suffering from anxiety, it's, it's, a, a, very, it's a very kind of tempting thing. And I read this week, actually, um, that the, the, very, the very kind of uh, chemical reaction that your body has that uh, alcohol, you know, alcohol basically relaxes you, that's the very same chemical reaction that causes you to feel anxiety the next day because your body is basically overproducing this uh, chemical that had been uh, that had been stopped the night before when you were drinking. Well, I have said before, for me, it's like the emotional equivalent of shapewear. When you have a drink, it it doesn't change those emotions it just pushes them out somewhere else yeah, still and, that, there. and that for me was exactly what it is the reason I needed a shortcut to fun or the need the reason I needed very quick stress relief would then came back and hit me the next morning and yeah and I think as well the, the link between alcohol and mental health probably isn't talked about enough and I think that it's something that we can probably all 
identify on some level yeah. with. Yeah, I think people don't feel comfortable talking about it because a glass of wine does relax you and who wants to give that up? But then there are so many studies and so much evidence proving the link between alcohol and anxiety and depression and lots of really common mental health issues. And lots of people would say to me, oh, but so how much were you drinking? And to be clear, but before I gave up, I wasn't drinking very much at all. And so I went sober kind of as a as an experiment for myself and I didn't expect there to be a huge change because I wasn't drinking much but actually even taking that relatively small amount out has made a huge difference to me. So where do you guys think the line is? So if someone's listening and uh, they have a large glass of wine when their kids go to bed and maybe you know they meet up with the um, the mums for Prosecco and you know and then on a Sunday with their Sunday roast they have a couple of glasses of wine you know, is that a problem? There is no problem. It's that you've got to ask yourself how it impacts you. I know loads of people who could drink a lot and it, and it have no implications, but I know that my mental health is such that it, that it doesn't work for me. You know, some people can drink coffees all day and then go straight to sleep. I have to cut off at four, otherwise I'm up all night. Yeah, it's very individual. Yeah. It's a very individual thing, I think. Um, I think we're definitely bombarded with messages from society from the media from the advertising industry uh, you know gin o'clock and you know it's very normalized mm. um why do you think that there's such a strong link between parenthood and alcohol because it kind of feels like it, it's just i mean i do it myself i've kind of put pictures of, on instagram of me with a glass of wine saying oh the kids are in bed i'm going to relax with a glass of wine and i'm kind of doing that because it's what everyone else does and it's just almost ingrained in me has been for so yeah. for so long for such a long time when i was doing research for my book i found an advert from like the 1950s i think which was it was an advert for gin awesome. and it was like he gets to go to get, gets to go to work all day <laughs> you guess what are you gonna do it's like an advert for gin oh they're just, so clever those advertising day. people <laughs> yeah. for me there's a real link in the i'm gonna go deep sorry but the the loss of identity that comes with motherhood so as soon as I became a mum, I was like, oh, one day I'm going to get back to being as fun as I was in my, you know, I had my first baby in my early 30s. And so for me, it's like that, having that gin in my hand was like, look, yeah, yeah I'm still fun. Still and fun, guys. Yeah, still fun for still my husband, it. still fun for my friends. I think especially first time round, it, it, it's that, I, mean, I don't know if it, everybody else in the audience here felt this, but first time round, I really felt like um, I don't want to change as a person yeah. just because I'm a mum. I'm still the same me, and I was kind of grasping yeah. onto the old me. You're so right, and that thing of like sitting down with a glass of wine or a, or a gin or whatever is is almost it's, like it's proof. Bit, yeah, and yeah, and it's a, again for your relationship. For me, Ben and I, we met partying really hard together, probably being the drunkest couple, and it was brilliant. But that is a very easy way to us for us to access an old part of us, which. I, for me, it's this acceptance that you, I'm never going to be 25 again and to, to be comfortable with that. Um, and also, Rosamond, you've spoken about how you and your um, husband, uh, a big part of your relationship early on was the drinking, going on holidays together. Yeah. How, have you both found, <laughs> how have you both found that um, either cutting down or cutting back completely on alcohol has affected your relationship? Well, he definitely drinks more than I do. He probably he probably drinks every day. He certainly has a beer every evening, and kind of more than that at the weekend. But we've, I think, a big part of if if you want to cut down on your own drinking, if you want to moderate or give up drinking, then you have to not put that onto anyone else, and you can't judge anyone else. You just only you can't change anybody else. You can only change yourself. So I would never, or I try to never, be like. The hangovers you know. though that are really like I'm fine with him drinking, but when he wakes up and he stinks, I'm, it's really hard not to go. Well, you know, if you were like me, but yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. a bit. Like, you can't push it on anyone else. Yeah, in fact, in fact, I say he drinks every day. I think maybe recently he has started to drink a bit less, but not. In, he would never say I'm drinking less, but he would just kind of naturally drink less because I don't really drink at home anymore, like I used to every night. What kind of things have you guys put in place? Um, it must be quite hard if you've got partners who are still drinking um, to either be moderate with it or uh, not drink at all. Were there things that you did? Like, did you tell everybody that you know that you were doing this new thing? Because there there's definitely peer pressure involved with drinking and yeah. going out with friends and, oh, go on, just have, just have one. 
But you also, I mean, yes, there is. I didn't tell anyone until I was about two months in because I wanted to test it for myself. I mean, I did in that we went on holiday quite early, so I had to tell those friends. But you know what? You think there's a load of peer pressure, and there is. I've, be, I've been that person pushing people. But actually, it's all about your delivery of it and how you just go, oh, no, I'm not drinking, end of. And people are, are really selfish, really. They only, they move on quite fast. Yeah. They think uh, about it themselves yeah, rather do. than anyone else. And you, I've been to weddings sober, and when I was the drunk person, I was like, oh, my God, everyone was so drunk yesterday. And then as a sober person, you realise everyone wasn't. Mm. You, you're seeing it through drunk eyes. And, and actually, in any given situation like that, there's someone who's pregnant, there's someone who, who's ill, there's someone who's sober, and th there are more sober people than you think. How, how have you found that? Cause I saw you, was it your brother's wedding yeah. you went to? Um, and was that a challenge for you, or were you... It was actually, it again, I went into it allowing my... If I wanted to have a glass of champagne, then I would, because I haven't given up because I particularly had an alcohol problem, although actually, on reflection, maybe more of us do than we think. I allowed myself to consider having one, but actually, emo weddings, especially family weddings, are so tied up with loads of emotion. For, you know, there's loads of complex relationships. For me to... To have my wits about me emotionally was a real benefit for me. And I said before, when you're drunk, you think that you want to turn the world into this lovely, blurry version. But actually, what you realise, being in clear focus and, the, and seeing everything for what it is, is a real gift in itself. Yeah. Mm. Um, it definitely feels like there's a sober movement picking up pace. I mean, the fact that you've got bars like Redemption, yeah. um, and you've got you know like uh, the Sober Girl Society and. Um, at the moment, I, I read that um, drinking rates in young adults are at their lowest in 18 years. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah, those Why those do you think that? It's so sensible. Yeah. It's like to, to me, having grown up in you know my, my teens and 20s, alcohol was such a huge yeah. part of you know university and you know first jobs and going out for drinks after work. Why do you think that we're at a place where people are starting to question this? I think wellness in general has just become such a big thing people are just much more aware of their bodies and what they're eating and drinking and I, in a way that we just didn't think about i think when when i was in my when i was a teenager and in my 20s it was all you know ladettes and i used to think that um finder's crispy pancakes and potato waffles was a balanced meal <laughs> that was my you know that, that was, that was my idea that was my idea of health and wellness side of super noodles yeah, oh, super needles, definitely. <laughs> but someone um, said to me that growing up, yeah, in that ladder culture, that was kind of an act of rebellion, seeing all that, that, that generation of, yeah, you know, I remember yeah. drinking pints a lot. And actually, for this generation, it's Millie, who's Sober Girl Society, I've spoken to her, and it's actually also an act of rebellion to go against something that is really ingrained in society, which is to drink. Yeah. And go, actually, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah I read a, a study that was saying Generation Z are looking at their parents and being like... Don't want to get drunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's not attractive. No, no, <laughs> exactly. And also, like Kate Moss is sober now. Like she is was she? when we were young. Yeah, I missed that. She's sober. But well, she's kind. Of, she's done it quietly. She hasn't made a song and dance of it, which I think is really cool. I mean, it's, she was one of the key people I saw stumbling yeah. out of clubs and thinking yeah. she was amazing. My one of younger. one of my claim to fame. It's not really claim to fame, but one of my um, kind of things that I tell people about is that I was the ones at a Lily Allen gig and I went into the bar and Kate Moss was at the bar next to me and she kind of like, I think drunkenly, but maybe she wasn't drinking, kind of put her arm around me as if I was one of her mates. So I was like, this is a bit awkward, but I'm just going to go with it. And I turned, turned to her and laughed and then ordered my drink and then went off. And I was like, Kate Moss just put her arm around me. So yeah, anyway, claim to first. slight tangent. Yeah. You mentioned Kate Moss. Um, <laughs> my friend. Have either, yeah, my pal Pazzy. Kate. Um, have either of you replaced alcohol with anything? So I think that for me, if I was to stop drinking, um, I would definitely be hammering the dairy milk of an <laughs> evening where I was sat watching, you know, telly. Um, or are you like super healthy and you're like, oh, I go to spin classes once a night, what, you know, what, what, every night? Um, for me, there's definitely a bit of a journey with it. And it's quite well documented that actually when you're drinking, relatively often you're getting a massive sugar hit so it's quite a, a common replacement mm. to start eating a lot of cake yeah which is, which is great and actually you see that with mums don't you um you know new mums but i have become one of those people that exercise all the time and it, because you've got loads of energy and you've got to get your kick somewhere and i get it from alcohol now it's really oh, I, i'm looking at you and i'm, I'm claiming i'm I just know, like who oh. am i <laughs> 
Who am I? <laughs> but yeah, I'm that person. What about you, Rosamond? I, do, I don't exercise, unfortunately. I, I should do. But um, no, what have I replaced it with? I definitely went through a period when I replaced it with food and yeah. probably not the right food. And I think that does happen a lot because I used to be one of those people that said, oh, I don't really have a sweet tooth. I never really craved sweet things. And then I gave up drinking and I was like, oh, turns out I was actually having quite a lot of sugar. And you're saving, a, like for me, who's trying to get over the whole diet thing, but you are saving a lot of calories, you know, a couple yeah. of glasses of wine. You can eat a lot of ice cream in, yeah. in, <laughs> in and out. Yeah. Yeah. But I've just, I got into like cooking nice meals and, you know, I'd like have a bath in the evening. <laughs> and like, Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are smug. <laughs> um... What things did you both do um, to help you shift your drinking habits? Like, did you stock up on alcohol-free gin? Or have you found that actually not having something that is a bit like alcohol but isn't quite alcohol, is that helpful or not? I mean, yes, a bit. I've, I'm kind of into non-alcoholic beer because for me that's the thing that tastes the closest. Mm. And, it, and actually it's just kind of being part of the gang. I've taken it to festivals, I've taken it to holid on holiday. And it does... It does definitely trick you a little bit that you're drinking it. Um, for me, the biggest single thing to help is I've got an app that I... I'm very goals-orientated, so to see an app go up day by day, which tells you how much money you've saved and how many days you've gone, mm. I really enjoy I that. Love an app. I love an app. Yeah, I've got an app too. Lock it. Have you, have you, have you um, put the money you've saved to anything in particular? Are you saving for a holiday? No, I'm waiting or to six... Wait, I mean, there are people in the sober community... What's her name... Can't remember, but she has saved a deposit from her house from being sober. Wow. wow, amazing! And yeah, holidays. I'm gonna get some Gucci loafers and at six months. Gucci loafers, I, I am, love because it. I could never justify them. But it is literally money that has come from that would uh, would have gone out of my bank account over six months. I would yeah, without even thinking. I think that's nice yeah. actually to actually have something in mind rather than it just kind of get soaked up into yeah. living. If yeah. you can, that's really nice. Yeah. And yeah, the app is really good. I find it really helpful as well because mine sort of shows all the alcohol-free days. I try and have a... I find if I have a plan, then I'm much better at sticking to it. So I try and not drink on any more than three days of a week and never have more than three drinks on one of the days that I'm drinking. I call it the rule of three. So that's my... I stick to that. And quite often, I, I'll drink less than that. So the last time I had an alcoholic drink was last Saturday at a three-year-old's birthday party. Standard. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and I haven't drunk all week. And you know, previously that would have been crazy to have gone a whole week and not drink. Do you find though that when you meet up with friends for dinner, they're like, "Are you on an alcohol-free day, Rosamond?" Or <laughs> shall we order the wine? It depends which friend. Yeah. <laughs> I have some friends who are like, "Oh, I love going out for dinner with you because I don't have to drink." Like, ah, they, that's interesting. yeah, you can yeah. tell they feel pressured elsewhere in their lives, but yeah. they like love having an alcohol-free dinner. And then I have other friends who are like, "Are you gonna are you gonna spend one of your drinking days on me, or am I not worth it?" Like, they feel like, yeah, exactly. It's really interesting seeing people's different attitudes. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, what have you both learned about yourselves in this journey? Are you, is there something that you have uh, picked up on that you hadn't been aware of before? I, I do constantly say to Ben, am I boring, am I boring? And he's <laughs> like, what is boring is repeatedly having this conversation. <laughs> but actually, apparently, like, I don't seem that different and that, yeah, for me, yeah, that it's I, uh, the thing I realise now that alcohol was ruining my night a lot. I thought it was because I was worried about a lack of sleep, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I'm staying out much later now. I'm sober. Um, so yeah. How about you, Rosamond? What have um, you learned? I've probably learned that maybe I'm more confident than I thought, or maybe I've learned to yes. be more confident since drinking less. Because I, I would never have like turned up to a party sober previously. And now I can, you know, spend a whole evening chatting to people sober yeah. and have, have a right. But you have time. to go through that, don't you? Because yeah. the problem is, you've learned to drink alongside becoming an adult. Of course. And so, I, you know, I never went to a work event stone cold sober. Yeah. I'd always be the first one to grab the free drink. Have you had to brush up on your small talk skills? Because <laughs> that actually does. I feel a bit terrified at the thought of making small talk. For a whole night, it's actually weirdly easier. Yeah. I think because your brain is yeah, working better. Yeah, you actually think you you can like remember. You can be like, oh yeah, that person. Yeah. Oh yeah, her mum was a bit ill, and oh yeah, her yeah. daughter's called such and such. Like, you just you can remember things better. Yeah, you can think more quickly, and you don't have that regret of. Yeah, of you don't wake up the next day thinking, oh, oh god, god, I, like, I asked for a pay rise or whatever. <laughs> 
on the, on the flip side, you then, if you do wake up the next morning thinking, oh, God, why did I say that? It was just your fault. It wasn't the alcohol. Yeah. You were just being an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you got any tips for anyone who's listening who maybe is thinking they might want to cut back or cut it out completely? I would say make a plan. Like, decide if you're doing moderate drinking rather than cutting it out completely, then decide how much you're going to drink, what you're going to drink, what days you're going to drink, plan it all so you don't just turn up to work drinks being like, oh, I'm going to try and drink less at this because that is just not going to work. It has to be like quite a, a firm plan. Exactly. Yeah. Get an app. They are really good. Is there one app that you would recommend? Uh, I use the uh, Drink Aware one. I am sober. Yeah, and they do. They the one the one I've got says this is how much money you've saved. This is the calories that you haven't had. This like it's it's really good. It feels quite satisfying yeah, to put it in. Oh, sorry. Yes, it does. I'm agreeing <laughs> about the app. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe tell someone. For me, yeah, Ben has been on that journey with me because it, it's a lot to process and. You, you do want to talk to someone about it, I think. And find the community. There's some, Even if you aren't wanting to go sober, there's, so, there's a brilliant sober community on Instagram. And for me, I, I lurked around for a lot, watched their journeys, saw the way they were talking about it positively. And in, in, in meeting Millie, Sober Girl Society was so crucial. I had that one of those weird things where I was thinking about it. I met Millie, then I met Sober Dave. All within a week, I'm like, oh, wow, the universe is going give it a yeah. go we, we've, got, we've, got, we've got sober mama in the audience as well so she's a well part of that community yeah sorry Rosamond you're going to say uh, yeah one of the things that somebody said to me when I was writing the book was that moderate drinking is a practice so you have to keep so that a community like that is really really good and following people on Instagram that will help you and there are loads of great books my book mindful drinking but also if you want to give up drinking completely there I think Catherine Gray's book is really good and Annie Grace like there are loads of great books out there and there are loads of podcasts and people to follow on social media and if you kind of have if you're interacting with that kind of stuff all the time then I think that yeah, really it's helps. It's food isn't it? It's interesting because yeah. I had a conversation on Twitter um, with Helen who's in the audience um, and somebody else um, last night um, and the other person was kind of saying why does why does it need to be a movement? Why do we need to label stuff? I don't understand and my kind of response was well I think that actually when there's so much um, peer pressure and societal pressure involved with drinking and there is actually being part of a movement or there being a label or it, it, it must make it easier to be able to kind of like call it something name it and say this is what I'm doing yeah yeah and actually I've had interesting conversations with people where, and, and including my family like that the, the, it's the word sober because previously I think with my parents generation it was more teetotal and sober is often seen as a uh, in contrast to recovery but actually reclaiming it and being really proud of it because to be sober is actually a decision every single day in every single social m situation not to do it and so you do end up wanting to shout it from the rooftops because it's a, it's a pride thing it's interesting though isn't it people do see the word sober as being um well that's if, if you if you're addicted to yeah alcohol. you don't deserve it because you didn't have enough of a problem and it, with everything, everyone can, yeah. Yeah, it's very black and white, yeah. like as if there's nothing in between. But I yeah. think loads of people would like to cut down or stop drinking, but they don't, They, you know, it's not ruining their life in the way that you would think no. it would do if you were an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, they're functioning quite well. It doesn't yeah. mean it's making them happier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you very much, ladies. I'm going to throw things open to uh, the audience. Does anybody have a question or even just anything to chip in? Uh, <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So uh, something that you that came up when you were talking about teenagers and drinking and saying how they don't want to drink anymore. Um, I'm a mother of a teenager. She's 14. She's just turned 14. They're very interested in alcohol. Very, very interested That's in alcohol. That's interesting. And um, my daughter, as far as I know, has never got drunk. We have given her small bits of alcohol here and there, but she doesn't really seem to have much interest in it. But certainly some of her peers have very much Got into it. Yeah, I'm trying to <laughs> think when I first got and drunk. I'm, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of some politically correct ways to put how they've explored a drink. And so definitely they are. But one thing I would say as a mother of a teen, I'm a drinker, and my kids have seen me drunk at parties mm. or, you know, we're a very sociable family. Um, they have seen me drunk. What it's made me reflect is when I'm drinking and how I'm appearing to my mm. children. And so last night, I, we were sitting, I was having a glass of wine, and my daughter was sitting with me, we were watching Channel 5, and I said, oh, can you go and get me a glass of wine? And then I thought, I can't get my 14-year-old to get me. <laughs> I can't do that. And I was like, oh, don't worry, don't worry. Can you, actually, can you make me a herbal tea? <laughs> so, but just to say, they are definitely still interested. But it is worth, I think, yeah, noting the role model thing. I grew up yeah. with a yeah, family who, yeah, really sociable with, all did, were all drunk, and yeah, I saw my parents yeah. drunk a lot, yeah. and I thought they were, they were really fun for it. Yeah. And yeah, they were one of the more liberal in allowing yeah. me to, us to get yeah. drunk. And even now, actually, one of the bits that I found the most difficult was going home and not getting drunk at the dinner table on the night. Yeah, um, definitely. But yes, yeah, so we've got we've got to look as role models, haven't we? Yeah. I don't know how that is. Yeah, and it's interesting because you do keep reading all these studies saying young people don't drink anymore. But then perhaps that's certain. <laughs> also, that's certain probably what I'm probably thinking of young people in their 20s, not, yeah, not teens. Yeah. So they've gone through the discovery bit, maybe. Yeah, I'm not that. I'll report back in 10 no. years where we're at in <laughs> 10 years. And of course, there's an argument, you know, me and Becky had a quick word while the podcast was going on, that if they're not drinking, then maybe they're looking at drugs and things like that, which is another yeah. podcast altogether. But actually... <laughs> no, yeah, there's no answer, is there's there? No answer, no, and no you never answer. know until you're there with your yeah, children and the, exactly. and, the, and the friends that they're friends with, etc. Et exactly. And I very much, like you're saying, I grew up in a family drinking as well, and you know, I was probably drinking quite regularly with my parents. But also, I worry that I don't want my kids to see mummy be more fun when she's had a yeah. drink, which I definitely, you know, yeah, start dancing with your kids, and and, and which yeah. is great, but that is not a very good example, probably, is yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. Mm. Sure, oh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Difficult. I don't want to have kids who are teens. <laughs> <laughs> How do we stop scary, this? Can they just scary. go to the twenty in their twenties? <laughs> Katie's got a question. Here you are, Katie. Um, I just wondered what kind of advice you guys would give somebody that is in the, the throes of young babies and Drinking for me and my husband has become a real coping mechanism for babies that just don't sleep. Oh. I have terrible sleepers. I mean, I've had three terrible sleepers. You know, I bore myself talking to people about it. And um, but we will sleep again. We will. Yeah, one day. <laughs> we'll hold on to that. Yeah. But we've gone through periods where we've like said, no, we're not drinking. We keep moaning about money, and obviously, it costs a lot of money as well. But we use it as a coping mechanism to like numb the pain of like the evenings and stuff. So I just wonder because I am keen to cut back loads more just for our health and money and all the rest of it but we've got into such a bad habit of it being the way we get through our evenings like what kind of advice would you give people with the young babies and I, I yeah, would always say be kind to yourself you know you are Cherry Healy always says we're in the rush hour of our lives we're in a really really hard bit you know be kind to yourself even having an awareness is a step isn't it but trying to make massive changes maybe oh I don't know what would your answer be <laughs> 
I would echo be kind to yourself. Yeah. Definitely, definitely don't be hard. Don't be, I feel like it's easy to get in the circle of thinking, oh, I shouldn't drink so much. Oh, but I really fancy a glass of wine. Oh, I've had it. Now I'm an awful person. And then it's, it's like a vicious circle. So just like if you have a glass of wine, you have a glass of wine. It's no big deal. But I would say um, the thing I found very useful is having rules. And one of them is not drinking to deal with a negative situation. So if I'm, if I'm feeling like anxious or stressed, then I try not to drink in that. I only drink in a, in a happy place. And also sometimes it can be just putting it off, like saying, okay, I, I, maybe we will have a glass of wine tonight, but not coming down straight from bedtime, opening the fridge, opening the wine. It's usually before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got, yeah. I, yeah, I re completely relate to that, but it's like, try and make it, and just try and put it off. And actually sometimes for me, if I got to like 8.30 at night, then the point, the, the moment's almost gone. It's, yeah. And also, always bear in mind, I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and the two-year-old thinks 5 a.m. is morning and wakes up a couple of times in the night. And that is just a lot easier to deal with if you haven't been drinking. Because yeah. you haven't got the... That, that was oh, the thing for me. Yeah. That was the thing for me. Like the, the sleep deprivation has been for seven years. But actually, even for me, I realised that one gin and tonic made... Did make make me fuzzy, more fuzzy-headed. Yeah, just makes it that bit harder yeah. to like drag your head off the pillow. I would urge you even maybe just to try a month, and don't see it. For me, there was a real reframing in that me going sober has been a positive for me. It's not that I'm not, not allowing myself something. I am choosing a thing that helps me, and. I mean, without doubt, after a month, you will feel physically different. You really will. That's so important. I think reframing it is so important because people see it as like they're depriving themselves and they're not allowing themselves to have something. Yeah. I was talking to a sober friend the other day and she said, all I feel I've given up is hangovers. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's the single best thing I've ever done for myself. That is why I want to shout about it. It really is. And it is, for me, I wasn't, if I wasn't drinking all that much, but you don't lose that much you really don't it's like even the champagne at my brother's wedding after i hadn't had it i'd had it on this pedestal it's just a just a, a liquid thing that i consume it really doesn't mean that much no that's really helpful thank you get an app get an app <laughs> <laughs> see it build up it's like so satisfying to see those hours days weeks um so i found that really interesting because i think i was actually almost the opposite to Katie because as soon as I had Evie um, I had terrible anxiety just crippling and that I was going to break her leg while I was changing her nappy yeah. let alone how I would act around her if I'd had to drink because I used to drink a lot <laughs> as well um, but now we neither of us drink at home at all and it wasn't really a conscious decision of right we're not going to have alcohol it was we're not going to have alcohol when we're with the baby um, and it wasn't uh, you know my big fanfare or anything it was just sort of happened because I was so scared of um, you know like you were just saying if you wake up and you have a fuzzy head that definitely happens to me if I have a couple of glasses of wine and I'm just at home I fall into a deep sleep so I thought well I don't want that to be happening if I've then got to be mm. on the listen out for a baby um, so I suppose that's why it kind of stopped for us and then when I've had the rare night out without baby, um, I have gone quite hard at a festival in particular, and dealing with a baby with a hangover was mm. just not something I'd ever oh want to do again. No, oh it's grim. It's grim. No, it's awful. Well done. Do that, that's really good. Do you know what I find weird though? When you when you really think about it, alcohol is a drug, okay? And isn't it odd that we're in a place where, as a society, it's okay for us to consume this drink? that alters the way our brains work and the way we function, and that we do it all the time around our kids. Yeah. I mean, this isn't me being preachy. This is me no. just kind of think, saying, isn't it a bit weird that this is okay? And all other drugs, society says, no, that's not okay. You shouldn't do that in general, <laughs> but definitely not with your kids around. Yeah. But it's fine for us it, to drink booze. That's the thing. Once you get to this place, you start thinking. It's like if you'd asked your daughter to go and get you a pack of fags, it would be horrifying. <laughs> but it is. Or like, or like, do you a line of coke or something? Yeah, you'd be it, like, bad mum, bad mum. <laughs> you know, it's something that we aren't able to drive after having not very much, but we could still be in charge of children. And it's not preachy, but I just got to this thing as well, especially with very small children. They can suddenly wake up in the middle of the night and have got ill from nowhere. And the thought of 
you know, Ben and I are both going to bed after not, you know, a bottle of wine each or something, which would be socially acceptable, but we wouldn't be able to be mm. coherent, really. Yeah. And they, that three-year-old's birthday party I went to yeah. last weekend, so I had a couple of glasses of fizz, and then I was like, I'm going to stop now, because I've been there before, getting yeah. two kids in the bath <laughs> and in bed when they're full of cake. Yeah, on a Saturday night, and I'm they're a bit full drunk. of cake. You're full of prosecco. Yeah. Right? I mean, not, the rule number ending. one with that is scrap bath time. <laughs> that's <laughs> like the ultimate <laughs> gift you can give yourself. Once I realise that loads of people don't do bath time very much, you're like, this, we're going to make this fun. We're there not having bath time. There are so <laughs> many reasons not to do bath yeah. time. Let's let's be honest. Right, Sarah's got a question. Um, can you hear me? Sorry. Um, I just I think it goes through kind of like peaks and troughs because you get gin o'clock but you forget about mother's ruin. And I think about when my son was younger, like there was no alcohol at his party. He's 21. Yeah. There was no alcohol at his children's parties to the point that when I took my daughter to one, um, and I think she was three at the time, I didn't realise there was alcohol there. There's a thing, yeah. And I gave it to her. I thought it was orange juice. Huh? And I didn't know. And she said, this tastes weird, mummy. And I'm just like, it's just orange juice. It's just That's orange weird. juice. And then one of the other mums said, where did you get that from? And I was like, but I didn't expect it mm. to be a children's party. It's so kind of normalised at the moment. And I think in Instagram is a really interesting place with, oh, I've got my wine now. And, in, and, and it's the part of like, it is um, interesting with the whole mental health thing and how you feel and you think about your poison in your liver and it's not filtering out all of this, all mm. of the kind of chemicals. And we're not having those kind of discussions. And, I don't know, we're saying things like, oh, I don't want to be preachy because we know how much of a part of our society yeah. it is. Like, I don't... I do drink, but I don't drink every day. And I choose to drink and I choose not to drink. And I don't, like, I don't have a nap and I don't really think about it too much. And I wonder if that's that makes it a bit more intense for us to make that because we actively have to make a decision... Um, yeah, mm. I don't know about having an app to kind of judge. I suppose exploring the things about peer pressure and how we react to those things, isn't that quite important? Like why we feel that we need to do something because somebody else is doing that and then we feel uncomfortable in those situations. Mm. I don't know whether exploring that means that we'll have longevity with it rather yeah. than it being like a diet and in a year we're just going to give up. But yeah, uh, And the app thing is interesting because actually the further down the journey I am now, I don't look at the app anymore because once it shifts in your mindset, yeah. you don't. I don't need to consult in it. I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, I've done this long. The app is really good for behaviour change, Yeah, I think, for me it was. When you're moving from one thing, it sounds like you've got a really healthy relationship with alcohol, which is brilliant, and you're right, a big part of it is peer pressure. But the thing is, you you can't can't tell anyone else what to do. I think it, um, for me, I think because I had my son when I was young, I don't get that. I wonder what it was like when I was 25. You know, like, what yeah. I want to be that person yeah. again. So I don't understand that because I've kind of always been a mum when I've been an adult. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I... I'm not judging. I just mean like I I I don't understand that yeah that yeah. part of it. Maybe I'll have a real breakdown when I'm like 60, and I'll just be like, "Wait, I get it now." I don't know. It's interesting because I did have my daughter young as well, but I was 25, so I absolutely understand what you're saying because I just had to stop dead <laughs> and was like, "But no, it's the prime." Um, so I think there's an element of individuality, but the things you guys were talking about, Gen Z, and you're talking about, is it peaks and troughs? I was wondering, and my friends and I have talked about this a lot. Do you think it's generational and it comes in shifts? Because if you think about it, there was the 50s and sort of my grandparents and great-grandparents' eras were obviously whiskey and gin and they drank a lot when they were looking after the kids. Like you talked about that gin ad. And then my parents kind of, when you get to the 80s, my parents drank a lot when before they had kids and then I, I rarely saw my parents drink. Whereas my partner, his parents are the age of my grandparents and they drank a lot when he was a kid. And it kind of, and then my brother-in-law, very confusing, he's 15, um, so he's a lot younger than us, but he doesn't drink. To your point about, yes, they're interested in alcohol, like we've offered him drink after drink, because obviously we're a millennial, <laughs> and we drink a lot. So, it, and he's just like, I'm not interested. I literally don't care. I don't even want to taste it. So it's almost as if you look at the generation above you and you go, yeah, no. <laughs> But that just goes back no. to the rebellion thing, isn't it? We always yeah. want to kick against whatever the thing was above you. So, yeah, if you're... yeah, And it's almost like you idealise 
the one before them yeah. as well because like, I read so like there's books like the Yaya Sisterhood where the mum in the 50s is drinking her whiskey and it's like yeah she's super chic and then <laughs> I was like no that's not a good idea what <laughs> am I thinking <laughs> to say is obviously a lot of my generation we don't smoke like we all gave up smoking we don't like smoking and I've seen I don't know if you've seen it in your teen and her friends they're smoking vaping oh yeah and it's I almost feel it's like the rebellion against us going spaking's terrible spaking's awful so now they're all vaping so yeah Carrie's got a question hi sorry Um, I was particularly interested in something that Clemmy had to say about being a fun mum on alcohol because I never really had any kind of issue with alcohol until I became a single mum and now there is definitely a part of me that thinks I'm going to be able to get through this weekend by myself a lot easier and have a lot more energy yeah. and be more of a fun mom if I have a couple of drinks at lunch. And I realize I do it in order to be more fun. And it's a bit scary in yeah. s- on some levels. You know, it really worries me. But um, equally, I know that, you know, if from if I have no energy that morning and I can't imagine getting through the afternoon, that a couple of glasses of wine will make me do that. So do you have any tips around what one can do, uh, you know, how you're coping with being you know, less of a fun mum without the alcohol? Or I do think you just for find me, the, the lesson was very much in my... It was all going on in my head. So yeah. I was convinced I wasn't being that fun. And you have to push yourself. Like, dancing sober is so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Like, uh, and we've all, if we've all been pregnant, you go to a wedding and everyone starts banging into you, like personal space, and people smell. But um, <laughs> you have to just kind of go through that and test myself, test yourself. But... And, but you might feel like there's a massive shift after the glass of wine, but maybe maybe there isn't that much. And that's, yeah, something that I've had to just kind of reconcile. Oh, and by the way, for everyone who's got bad sleepers, it does get better. Please, <laughs> seven years. Mine were awful, but there are 10 and 12 now, and they're brilliant. They sleep longer than I do. I can't imagine. You want to ask another question? I have to get my nap now. Do you? And you'll probably up early, wake Hello. early, because yeah, yeah, they've ruined you. Going back to what you were just saying, um, when I, I'm sober now, I've been sober for nine months, but just before I quit drinking, I'd got to the stage where I convinced myself I couldn't do certain things without a drink, Mm. like bath time, um, sometimes the whole of bedtime, cooking dinner, like giving the kids dinner, everyone knows how stressful it is. I got to the stage where I genuinely believed I couldn't do them without a glass of wine. And I made it up in my head. Mm. It wasn't true. It's just a dependency that I'd got. Um, And also, I just wanted to go back to the sleep thing. One of the best things I've found about quitting drinking is my sleep is so much better. It's it's, uh, like unbelievable, isn't it? It makes a really really big difference. I thought that my sleep was because of my kids. And to a certain point, it was. They've both been terrible sleepers. But um, actually, a lot of my waking up in the night was to do with being thirsty because even on nights where I hadn't been drinking, I was really dehydrated. Um, Since I quit drinking, I sleep through Mm. nearly every night and if someone lets me. (laughs) And um, I just wanted to add that because it it really does help. It's unbelievable, (laughs) the difference in sleep. And also you wake up in the night because your blood sugar drops if you've drunk a couple of glass of wine which are high sugar you yeah you wake up that but it is a different quality of sleep yeah I've I've never slept like that before and and your skin everyone's like what are you using on your skin and then you say I'm sober and they're like (laughs) (laughs) get out (laughs) not the answer smug answer that you wanted and Kate Moss does look great at the moment yeah Yeah. I mean I know she's a supermodel (laughs) she's always looked all right (laughs) your mate Kate (laughs) Um, I found it quite interesting because I did give up for about five years on and off um, having trying to have a baby because basically, obviously, if you're doing fertility treatment, you're encouraged not to drink. And then actually after Greta was born, I carried on not drinking. But what I found really hard was kind of how other people responded to me. So sort of other mums when I was out, because I've got a good group of friends and they all enjoy booze. They were all very much like, what's wrong? You know, have you got a booze problem? They, were f- they felt quite challenged. So that they'd sort of say to me, I've not got a problem with booze. You know, I, I, you obviously had some sort of issue with it. And I was kind of like, do you know what? I haven't. I kind of, I just feel better for not drinking. And so I've succumbed a bit to peer pressure because I've obviously gone out a couple of times and now had drinks. And I think I probably prefer not drinking, to be honest. But to be part of that kind of crowd, I found it easier 
to have one or two drinks, to be honest. It's, it, I think it's quite hard because I think sometimes people feel quite challenged if you're not drinking. It sort of yeah. makes them feel a certain way. And it give you, th- you have that feeling that you're letting the whole group down. Like yeah. You're the fun sponge. That's one of the nice term my friends use. <laughs> but actually, again, for me, I learned that if I owned that thing of just like, I'm not drinking, I actually just say because it doesn't do any, my mental health any good. People, people do move alone. on quite fast. Or I really found actually interesting when I wasn't, before I'd gone public about it, people don't even notice very much. You're convinced that people notice. They really don't. Mm. They really don't. You just leave that glass of wine there and it just, yeah. Mm. And if they do say things like you say, like if they do try and encourage you to drink, it's quite often because it's making them think about their own yeah, drinking. Always. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and that's just a difficult thing to think about. Mm. I mean, we've got this very strong, it's Prosecco sort of culture still. Yeah. So it's like people buy a bottle and yeah. then share it. And if you're not drinking, you do feel a bit like a wet blanket. Yeah. You're kind of sat there with your one drink and you're not coming in on the round. And I think that's the kind of the social pressure, which even when you're older, you can still sometimes... Yeah, you want to be in the game. And I, start, I started getting better at kind of coming in with a non-alcoholic drink. Sometimes if you have a drink in your yeah. hand, you're not feeling that pressure. Or even holding an alcoholic drink and not drinking it. Because mm. yeah. obviously if it's a big celebration and someone opens a champagne, you can just hold it. You don't necessarily yeah, have to exactly. have it. Go through um, the motions of it. But it's just yeah. interesting that you can be in your 40s yeah, and, and still, still be that. totally into that but peer, also because peer pressure. You know. Parenthood does bring in that whole thing about identity and you don't perhaps feel as confident and you don't get out much. Mm. So we're not used to how to function in those situations, are we? It's yeah. like, you want, yeah. But you, you do get its practice, I think. question um i had a situation recently where my boss invited everybody in the office out for a drink after work and didn't invite me you don't drink i can still go to the pub now obviously i could have made a joke about it and kind of invited myself and it would have been fine he wasn't trying to be horrible he just kind of assumed that i wouldn't want to go but i actually felt like really really lonely and it's one of the few times that i've kind of really felt you know, that it was hard to quit drinking, and I was just wondering if you'd had any situations like that and how you dealt with them. Yeah, I've had people say, oh, I'll invite you for, t- for a drink. Oh, no, we'll go for a coffee. And it's like, I can, I can definitely still go to the pub and stand yeah. there and partake in it. And, I've, yeah, I'm sorry that you went through that. As th- again, that probably is a reflection of him and not of you. How did, you, how did that play out then? Well, you actually, you know, I'm really sad to say this, but it was like a day where I wasn't feeling Feeling great, a bit wobbly. And yeah. I actually just went home and felt Cry. really sad. Oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but, you know, uh, that's like a one-off yeah. thing. Really, most of my being sober has been really positive and I haven't had any problems. I just wondered if you ever get the same thing. No, but I, I can You know what? I didn't even want to go anyway. No, exactly. That's what, you, that's what I would just fill my head with that. Screw you. I'm going to yeah, go and do I, this. I and go. you'd be smug the next morning and you didn't say anything embarrassing. Exactly. Yeah, I know. And I suppose, you know, I, I di- I, it's not that I wanted to go. It's that no, I, it's a horrible it used feeling. to be me who organised those drinks yeah. and it used to be me who's the centre of that mm. sort of thing and suddenly I was kind of like someone who wasn't even worth inviting yeah and you miss out on a whole thing I remember when I gave up smoking you know, I, and even yeah. now if people smoke I go and lurk around because it, you do you miss yeah. out on a whole social yeah. thing and I remember do. having that when I quit smoking too and interestingly I used to always smoke whenever I would drink too much even after yes, I quit so. smoking since I quit drinking yeah. I haven't even vaguely considered having a cigarette it would never occur to me mm. and same with kebabs actually <laughs> <laughs> well that, that was the thing for me for, yeah, again I don't want to sound preachy but if I had even a few drinks then I'd get up the next day not eat as healthy with breakfast not have any capacity to exercise and th- for me the things that keep my mental health relatively in check are exercise, healthy eating and sleep and alcohol jeopardises all of those. Um, it's really difficult, but yeah, he should have he should have asked you. And you're right; it doesn't make any sense. The things that have made me feel really included as someone not drinking is people saying, "I'm going to the bar. Should I ask if they've got a non-alcoholic beer?" And then similarly with my friends, I really value it when we have been out for a meal and they've split the bill automatically and said, "Oh, Clemmy, you're paying this," because I don't want to keep. Re- I don't want to be the kind of I don't want to pay for the booze but actually a real perk of being sober is the amount of money you save and so I damn well ought to because it's unbelievable how much cheaper they are so for me it is actually acknowledging it but not make trying to keep it quite low key never normally get questions at the end it's really good (laughs) 
this shows you what a topic it is. Helen's got a question. Um, I have a question for both of you over what you think constitutes an alcohol problem. Um, because historically, you'd think an alcohol problem means you're an alcoholic. Yeah. I think, and I'm, it's quite a brave thing for me to say out loud, I don't like saying this, but I think I have an alcohol problem, but I'm definitely not an alcoholic. I can have an evening without wine. I can have a week without wine. Um, I know I'm never drunk, um, so I, I probably only ever have a couple of drinks at a time. Even on a night out, I'm never really drunk. Um, and I don't really get hangovers. But if there's an open bottle of Sauvignon Blanc <laughs> at any point of the day, I can't resist a glass. So is that an alcohol problem? Wow. <laughs> I would, I, to borrow from the kind of the anti-diet kind of culture, it's like disordered drinking, isn't it? it? It's asking yourself why you're doing it. And actually, you can still be kind to yourself and say, I'm having a drink because I've had a stressful day. But it, it's... It's when that ladders up to something more, and yeah, when you can't think about doing bath time without. That's that's the difference. It's perfectly all right to say I want to go out and have a fun night with my mates and have a drink, but, but you, it's just having a really honest chat with yourself. Yeah. And it's interesting because there are lots of different views and there are lots of different experts who've written about what constitutes an alcohol problem and what doesn't. And I think it's really if it feels like a yes. problem to you, then it then it is a problem. I think that's what I was going to say, actually, Helen, because you kind of started off by saying you feel like you have a problem, yeah. and that's... Yeah. You kind of answered your own question. <laughs> and yeah, that, that's it. I would definitely recommend reading Rosamond's book because it's not yeah. about saying you have to quit alcohol. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you, Alison. Um, I, I don't... The thought of never having another glass of wine makes me really, really sad. But is that a problem in itself? No, I don't think it is, because no. I don't want to give up alcohol. Like, I enjoy having a glass of wine with dinner, and I enjoy having a glass of fizz to, like, celebrate something. But now I, I really... I look at... I've just changed my whole relationship with alcohol, where it's not, like, a thing I have out of habit all the time and too much of. Now it's a thing. I see it, like cake yeah exactly yeah so i have like if it's a birthday party i'll have a slice of cake but you wouldn't go and eat a whole cake every yeah. night no exactly exactly and how do you prevent yourself though i probably do need to read a book how do you prevent yourself from getting to the end of two glasses and going oh sod it i'll have another one and then getting the sweats in the night and feeling disgusting and a bit yeah. rank the next day there, yeah i mean there are lots of different things you can do because it is really really tough to break a habit and there's been loads of if it's like habitual drinking there's been loads of research on how to break habits they say you it's good to replace it with another habit rather than just trying to break a habit forming new habits is easier than breaking old ones mm. um monitoring what you do is really really helps as well so like an app keep we keep bleating on about the apps they are very helpful um yeah having a plan and sticking to it and then also just not beating yourself up if you do drink more than you plan to because i think that really that can like make people feel like well i can't do it so what's the point um, I think we've got time for one more question, so we shall go over here. Thank you. Th this actually ties on quite nicely. I think that thing of replacing it with something else is really good. For me, I found that when I was drinking most as a, as a mother, it, it, uh, motherhood is such a thankless task, <laughs> and often I was just like, I just deserve this at the end of the day. <laughs> They're, they're finally asleep. They'll only be asleep for one hour before I have to go back up and fix them. Fix them. Feed them. Um, and for me, it was just, yeah, like my reward for getting through the day. But then when it's like every day, that's when I started to feel that it was a problem. Um, so I, this, this is going to sound really preachy, but I have replaced uh, my... I still drink at the weekend, but my midweek wine with skincare. So I'll just be like, right, the kids are in bed. I'm going to spend a little bit of time rather than going down straight downstairs to the fridge. But like taking my makeup off and just having a little bit of time slathering loads of stuff. And on. also you can go hell for leather on upgrading your skincare, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you wouldn't think of anything of over a week probably spending quite a bit of money. You can go and buy a really great moisturiser, yeah. can't you? I just wondered if anybody else had uh, things that they have replaced... That's a, a really a good question. Habit. That's a really good question because it is good to have like a list of things that you can do that are like a reward or a treat that is not alcohol. Yeah, reading my book, like yeah. instead of just you know yeah. drinking and then ranting with my partner. 
That was a really good uh, note to end on. So thank you so much to Rosamond and to Clemmy for being my guests today. Um, yeah, can everyone give them a big round of applause? Thank you. Thank you. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.